This is Just the Right Book, and I'm Roxanne Cody of R.J. Julia Booksellers. Each week, I hope to bring to you the stories behind the books, talking with some of the very best contemporary nonfiction authors, books that are timeless and charming, provocative and of the moment. The conversations you want to hear about the books you need to read. I'm Roxanne Cody, and welcome to Just the Right Book. This is what we call our shorts edition, where I'm joined with Billy Goldstein, who is an author, a critic uh, on NBC, and just a smart, smart reader, I would say. And, you know, as we we keep saying to you, I don't know how long we're going to say it, that this is an experiment that's iterative, but I'll keep saying it. And you can write to us at podcast at rjjoya.com and let us know what you think. We do respond to compliments and criticism. So by all means, write. At one of the, I'm going to start with this, Billy, if I might. I had mentioned three books that I started on one of the previous shows, maybe a show or two ago. And as I've also said on the show, that there's a lot of books I put down. (laughs) So as I finish the books or I put them down in the interest of fair disclosure, I'm going to report on them. So what I want to report on is Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow by Gabrielle Davin, because it was one of the three books. This absolutely held my interest. And as a reminder, it's actually a story about a man and a woman who are uh, who meet at college and become partners in video game production and become quite successful. But it all becomes complicated. There are there are reasons that they are connected forever and reasons that they end up presenting each other. But here's all the reasons I loved the book. I so cared about the two main characters. I was fascinated to learn about video game production in that world. I don't think I've ever played a video game. <laughs> and and it originally, I mean, this is a huge book. I'm like a, you know, Johnny come lately to it. But I would highly recommend this book to any reader. I just think she's a terrific storyteller. You get a little annoyed at each of the characters, just enough to keep you engaged. And she just did, you know, it's just wonderful storytelling. So Uh, My first of the three books that I did finish, it was a winner. So uh, I'm I'm so excited to hear this. Um, And you you say you're a Johnny come lately. I will be a Johnny come latelier uh, (laughs) later than you. I do have a copy of it in the very room where I am sitting right now. So uh, I think that needs to uh, come off the pile and and get into my hands. Uh, I'm I'm very enticed by by what you've said and I love what you say about you're you're just you know the characters annoy you just enough uh, to be, <laughs> be interesting that that's uh to hold your interest that's really that's really a wonderful way of putting things and and the way you can be engaged in a book so thank yeah. you so what do you read it well the book that I want to first talk about is a book called happiness falls by Angie Kim which is a novel i mean it it's so hard to sum up what 
what this is, uh, because there's a mystery at the heart of it, but you don't really feel, even as you're reading for the mystery of it, that that's what the novel is really, quote, about, or even what's driving your interest in it. It's about a family, uh, a Korean-American family in in Virginia, and what happens when the father disappears. The father disappears from a walk that he's taken with his 14-year-old son, who is autistic and has a developmental disorder, which I had never heard of, but also we learn a lot about in this book called Angleman's Syndrome. And and so the the story unfolds really as uh, what happened to the father, and then also just about this family and also about the narrator. There's a 20-year-old daughter who is narrating this book. So the daughter of the man who's disappeared and the older sister of the of the son with autism. And her name is Mia. And she is just, I mean, she's not at all like Scout uh, in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, except in the way that you are drawn in by this first-person narrator who comes alive right away and has this distinctive way of of speaking. And so that's the only real uh, thing that I'm drawing on in terms of To Kill a Mockingbird, except that I always come back to Scout as a kind of amazing, exemplary first-person narrator who comes alive from the very first word. And Mm. We're also learning about the family dynamics. Uh, this woman, Mia, has a twin brother. She's home from college because it's the you know early part of the COVID pandemic. And Angie Kim is just such a, a wonderful writer. And I think you'll find, I mean, almost like what you just said about tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow, which is that you know some of these characters annoy you just enough to really hold your interest and to really make you want to know what happens in the story and yet also who these people are and what this mm-hmm. family is like and all of the issues that they're facing with all of the uh, sort of domestic and political troubles that are just happening at, at the time. So the domestic and the political, it, it's just a really great book. And uh, again, the voice. So I, I sort of was thinking, OK, it's Angie Kim writing, but I almost felt like Mia had written the book. You know, it's that mm-hmm. convincing, uh, the voice. So happiness falls. Yeah. So, Billy, one of the things that what you're saying makes me think a little bit about is that, you know, there's so many, the word novel today encompasses such a range of styles of writing. And I think that, you know, it seems to me despite the contemporary elements of Happiness Falls or Tomorrow, 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 they both fall into the classic structure of a novel, namely the arc of a story with narrators or characters that are compelling. Um, You know, nothing quite deconstructionist uh, about it or a different format or energy. You know, I had picked up a book that I'm not done with, and I'll just mention it in passing, called Big Swiss by Jen Began, which is very funny, very contemporary, and presents a whole different vibe and a whole different rhythm 
than what I would call standard storytelling. So I'll talk about that when I finish it. But I think that's interesting about both of these first books. So talking about kind of a classic book that I picked up. So a a woman that is a friend. So, you know, fair disclosure. I didn't realize she had a new book out until I know this sounds pathetic. I didn't realize she had a new book out until I looked at the RJ Joy event schedule, (laughs) which I'm embarrassed, you know, (laughs) to even say. So uh, I'm still up in Maine and I asked. Uh, the store to like send send me the book immediately. So the name of the book is Golden Gate, uh-huh. and the author is Amy Chua. Oh, well, this is a mystery set in 1930 and 1944, San Francisco. The lead character is Detective Sullivan. Uh, We have a murder of a man by the name of Wilkerson, who's running for president, who's like Wendell Wilkie. Uh And I cannot put this down. Like, I'm not Uh sleeping. (laughs) I am not sleeping. And there are a lot of threads. And sometimes I'm like saying, Amy, why are you bringing in more like issues like the (laughs) Chinese and the Japanese and internment and uh, Madam Chiang Kai-shek and some wealthy Knob Hill family. But man, I don't care. She could bring in everything. And she just has my attention as a storyteller. So not only would I highly recommend this book, it's coming out September 19th. So you can pre-order it now from your independent bookstore or RJ Julia's to make sure that you get it. In addition to the book just being a blast, it's a blast, is I've read every book that Amy Chua has written. And this is her first novel. But just to give you an idea, she's a professor at Yale Law School. But her other books are Political Tribes, Group Instinct, and the Fate of Nations, which I loved. The Triple Package, How Three Unlikely Traits Explain the Rise and Fall of Cultural Groups. Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother, which is what she got the most attention for, was on the bestseller list for a long time. And a lot of people had opinions about that. Day of Empire, how hyperpowers rise to global dominance and why they fall, which is a wonderful book. And World on Fire, how exporting free market democracy breeds ethnic hatred and global instability. And now she's got this damn mystery set <laughs> in San Francisco in 1930 and 1944. It's like, I mean, she just cracks. I, I'm going to write to her today because I finished the book. I, I just had so much fun reading it. So that's my book. What do you have, Billy? That sounds so wonderful. <laughs> the next book I want to talk about is Time's Mouth by Eden Lepucky. Eden is spelled E-D-A-N, not like the fall of man, Eden, the Garden of Eden. And I I feel like I should give a little backstory before I talk about the book, because uh, I don't usually do this, but this is a novelist who I know, and uh, I I feel like 
the bookseller uh, podcast ethics, I mean, are are not, you know, written yeah. in stone. But uh, so Eden is a writer I met 10 years ago when we both were at a writing residency called U-Cross in Wyoming. And she had just finished then, and it was about to be published, a magnificent, a wonderful book called California, which later in the summer of, of that year was chosen by uh, Stephen Colbert for his book club. That was a time when, you know, all these TV shows had book clubs. And so she was on his program. And but, a book I loved, which is not, doesn't fall into anything I ever read because it's science fiction. That's that's how I feel. So this this so uh, this is similar. I mean, in the sense that it has some of a, a fantastical science fiction element to it in some way, like a dystopian kind of uh, science fiction element. But Time's Mouth. So Eden, who I hadn't seen in in a decade, she lives uh, in California now, was coming to Brooklyn to uh, a store, a green light bookstore. So and the RJ Julia of Brooklyn, or at least, mm. uh, you know, the area around BAM and asked me would I interview her there. So I, I read the book and loved it and was so glad uh, to be able to be in conversation with her. But this is a very, you know, a- again, all of the strands. I don't think there are as many as you just described as in the Golden Gate, but there are so many different elements going on here. It's about a woman who reinvents herself in her youth. Uh, Her real name is Sharon. She's born in Mystic, Connecticut, but she makes a new life for herself in the West as Ursa. And Hmm. she goes to find herself in California in the 50s. She's uh, born in 1938 and rechristens herself in 1955. And we get a lot about her finding herself in San Francisco and in in Northern California and the people she meets. And slowly over time, I mean, we, we learn about her traumas and she has this ability, this is the science fiction element, to what she calls transport. She can go back in time, not in historical time so that she's, you know, at the Spanish Armada or, you know, so, you know the Revolutionary War. She goes back to her own past, usually very short, you know, she'll go back three or four years, that kind of thing. And this turns out to be mm. a trait that she has that skips a generation. So we also get the story of her son and then her granddaughter, not that she knows the granddaughter yet, that's part of the story, uh, Opal, who finds out that she has this gift, which she calls tunneling. So we have transporting, we have tunneling, people can go back and forth. And we get the story of how Richard grew up and there's also sort of around this and within this, the story of a kind of, there's no other word for it, a cult that forms around Ursa of women who live on this commune, who share this gift of transporting. And mm. again, this is not usually the kind of book I read. And I was riveted. All of the different strands, all the different registers, all the different characters, all in just the way you were describing about uh, the Golden Gate, come together in this very surprising way, not only as a plot, but also in terms of what's going on in the language of the story, the elements. And you believe it. You really do believe it. I'll, I'll just say one more thing that came out of the conversation. The book is dedicated to her father and adapts a lot of her father's biography uh, for the story of Richard, the son of Ursa, although uh, there was no commune and there was no transporting. Uh, But her father was into a lot of different kinds of alternative therapies 
including uh, a fascination with this man we also learn a lot about in the book, Wilhelm Reich, who was a psychotherapist, a, a scientist of the mid 20th century who believed in sort of the accumulation in the body of the power of the orgasm. And it wasn't just enough to have an orgasm. It has all of this psychic, you know, stuff going on in it. And so she's adapted that into the book, too. So uh, you learn a lot about uh, Wilhelm Reich and mid 20th century psychotherapeutic ideas. And it's 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 wonderful. It's just, I felt like, oh my God, I'm so glad I read this book. So two things. One is this uh, psychoanalyst type character must be in the ether because Golden Gate has a minor character who is a, a Viennese psychoanalyst who in theory is solving hysteric uh, hysteria in women and other mental illness, also sort of remotely through understanding orgasm, but really by having affairs with them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you know, sleep with me, honey pie. I'm not going to try an accent and all your (laughs) mental illnesses will go away. But I have another question. Do you remember the book Time and Again by Jack Finney? Yes, You know, which was uh, back in time. So in... Eden's new book, do they transport and try to change what's going to then happen in the future? Oh, that's 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 a good a good question. No. Um, okay. It, it's, a quarter, it's almost it's almost like a, a, a physical way, it seems, of reliving ah. memory. They don't intervene in the past. I think in some way it's almost like I, I don't think it's exactly like a psychoanalytic session, you know, where you would like recreate the moment memory. But no, they don't intervene in the past. And it was very interesting in our conversation at Greenlight to talk about what rules did she set up for herself? Like, it seemed like she had all these rules. Um, and and I guess she didn't really set up as many rules as it seemed. And yet there are limits to what what happens. I think they would be happier if they could have intervened in in their past mm. and she doesn't give them that solace or that that power so we sort of see this and as much as it is a power that they have to transport or tunnel uh they also have a limit to their power which is also painful yeah i'm fascinated by this it's 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 very effective you know because it brings to it brings to mind you know, lots of possibilities. Like, do you go back and then you see what happened differently? Do you see it the same? Does it inform the present? So maybe after I read the book, we'll do our own little book club. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to go back to today and then uh, have the conversation moving forward from today. So tell me the title of the book again. It's called Time's Mouth, uh, Time apostrophe S, Mouth. And that's because so much of the book is, you know, quote, about time and how time works. And time even seems to speak in in the novel itself. All right. Well, this brought to mind like 5,000 other books in my head, but we're running out of time. So you've been listening to Just the Right Book Shorts. I've been in conversation with Billy Goldstein. Hopefully we've given you plenty to read or think about or to go into your independent bookstore and browse and find these books or discover other new ones, please subscribe to Just the Right Book. Tell your friends to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram 
and write to us at podcast at rjjoya.com with any thoughts or observations. Billy, as always, thanks so much. Thank you. You are listening to Just the Right Book with Roxanne Cody, brought to you by Lit Hub Radio. The show is produced by Roxanne Cody, Michael Selleck, and Lit Hub Radio. Our editor is Gino Cardone at Pleasant Podcast. The original theme music is by Kurt Feldman. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. I am Roxanne Cody. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any comments, observations, suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at justtherightbook at rjjulia.com.